0: That's chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: All right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Mazen Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that needs some introduction. I am Jared Stormer of MazeNbrew.com. with me as always is Andy Bailey also of maizeandbrew.com my hetero life mate Andy you galloping alpaca in a field of daisies how are you my friend I am mildly
3: sober happy and alive glad to be back I am all of those things minus the mild on the sober but we uh,
2: <laughs> nonetheless are here and we shall persevere uh so last week was the nfl draft podcast one of my favorites and we are recording this on the eve of the nfl draft so tonight we're gonna talk a little bit more about some of the prospects we didn't talk about that we like and then in particular want to get into some of the michigan wolverines and um, what we think about their chances in the nfl
3: yeah i don't know about you but rounds two and three specifically day two of the draft now on Friday is my favorite night of the draft. So you find a lot of like high value guys or people that may have slipped some rising up from the middle rounds, take a chance on, but I think you're going to find a lot of NFL rosters are really sculpted and made on day two. And that's what we're going to kind of dive into this evening.
2: Love having a lot of day two and day three picks. I agree. And I mean, if you look at the statistics of it, there's those couple guys at the top of the draft every year that are like, can't miss prospects. And then after that, it's kind of a crapshoot, but on day two and day three, that's where you see more guys hit in general. Granted, I mean, there's a couple rounds there, so there's a bigger sample size. But in general, uh, there's there's a lot of talent to be found. So I'm a big fan as well. Uh, but round one is going to be interesting as well. But before we get into that, a little bit of basketball news.
3: Yes, so Michigan is back into the transfer market. And there have been a couple names floating around. But the biggest name is that of Coastal Carolina's guard Devontae Jones who has not committed as of yet, but things are definitely trending in that
2: direction. Um, Texas Tech could be a threat here, uh, but he has talked with Mike Smith, and, I mean, what a great guy to talk to about coming from a small school, changing up your role a little bit as the primary scorer and facilitator and just the dude, and coming to a a good team that's ready to compete and playing a role. So this would be uh, your fill-in for Mike Smith if you will, but this guy is absolutely no slouch. Um, You got his stats for Coastal Carolina there, right?
3: Yeah. Uh, Last season, Devontae Jones averaged 19 points a game, three steals, which is impressive, three assists, seven rebounds, and was decently efficient from the floor. Shot 37% from three and 49% from the field overall, taking about 13 shots a game. So he's coming in. He can fill it up leaves a little bit desired on defense overall, but I think it's just because he takes gambles with those steals. So I think in probably a better coach defensive setting, he could thrive a little bit more for this team.
2: I also think, and we were talking about this a little bit ago, that having to be the guy every night on offense means you're probably going to lose a little bit on defense. That's not going to be the case at Michigan. He's going to come here and be asked to run the offense within the offense and when the shot is there to take it. He'll be the primary facilitator, the primary ball handler. He'll split duties with Eli Brooks. But I think that not having to be the guy is going to allow him to focus a little bit more on his defense. And the fact that he averaged three steals a game for a season shows me that the defensive upside is there. So he's also two inches taller than Mike Smith at 6'1". So I'm buying into the fact that he could become a plus defender and already liking what I see with his scoring. And what season was it? Is You said his junior year he was averaging, was it six assists a game? That was his sophomore year average six assists a game. Year. So I like that as a projection for a primary ball handler as well. So I, I like what I what I'm seeing out of this guy. Need to do a little bit more research, watch some more tape, but... I think that would round out the the lineup pretty nicely.
3: Yeah, in this offense it's basically going to be can you control tempo, protect the basketball, feed Hunter Dickinson and hit <laughs> wide open shots. Yeah, I mean absolutely and uh
2: well let's let, let's take a, a look if this is the guy that probably ends it as far as the transfer portal. I mean they could go for a backup center, but I mean with Musa Diabate coming in, I would say probably they're good on that. Wouldn't? What do you think on
3: that? I, I think so as well. It's either going to be this kid or the kid from Georgia who I believe led the SEC in assists last year, but the buck stops with one of them. After that, you don't need to add anybody else to this roster. It's already
2: filled out absolutely and the reason you do this is because you're not trying to just have a good season next year you're having you're trying to have another elite season and oh. that's what juan howard has has built michigan into they're not comfortable with just saying oh you know we made the the round of 32 they want another deep run so having an established guard will be good for that so <clears throat> assuming we get Devonte jones that means he's probably your starting point guard at 6-1 moving eli brooks back to the two where he's probably more comfortable um, at your small forward spot Um, that's probably going to be either Caleb Houston or Terrence Williams. there starting. Um, I I think Caleb Houston's going to start right away. I think that dude's, I mean, too good to be on the bench. Um, power forward, um, Diabate, Brandon Johns. I'm leaning Johns
3: here with how he closed the season. What do you think there? I'm leaning Brandon Johns as well. And even at small forward, you can lean Terrence Williams because you remember Hunter Dickinson wasn't starting day one, so it can take some time to learn everything. But honestly, the way Brandon Johns came on, I think he could start all season at power forward, and I would not be mad about it. Brandon Johns with confidence is a different player. I'm so mad that
2: I started to like cool off on him last year because that was the dude I was riding because I love the way he plays and – just took a huge leap in the tournament. So I'm happy to be back on board the Brandon Johns hype train. I think he's going to be awesome for us. And I mean, he's just a big body. So him and Dickinson banging down low is going to be a nightmare with this new version of Brandon Johns and another year of Dickinson in the, in the system. Obviously Dickinson's your starter at center. We're not even going to debate that. Uh, Who do you think the first guy off the bench is then? because we didn't mention there Zeb Jackson, Kobe Bufkin, um, Terrence Williams, maybe starting, maybe it's Houston. And then Diabate, as well as Frankie Collins coming in. You got Isaiah Barnes coming in. I mean, this is loaded. There's so many guys. Who do you see as the first guy off the bench? Or is there any guy you think is starting that I, I missed?
3: I think you nailed the starters. I think Diabate is the first forward off the bench and they can rotate pieces around if they need to outside of that. And I think Zeb Jackson will be the first guard off the bench. He had his moments last year, especially I forget what game it was where he just hit a couple threes. Was it big 10 tournament against.
2: Uh, Yeah, no, it was, uh, that was in the NCAA tournament.
3: Yeah. Just went off. They're like, Oh, okay. You're here now. That's nice. So he showed some flashes there. and I think he continues to take that step this coming season will be the backup, either one or two, because we saw the Eli Brooks versatility, so he can transition over. And I think the forwards have a little bit of that versatility as well. I think, um, if assuming
2: Houston starts, it'll be Terrence Williams first off the bench because there's going to be nights where Houston's going to struggle being a true freshman. And Terrence Williams, I mean, not much older than him, but has a little bit more experience. Played in some big games last year, not you know in critical moments, but – nonetheless has that experience. So I'll say Houston starts Terrence Williams and guy off the bench. Then I think Diabate, I think you're absolutely right because he can play five or four. Yep. So that's going to be critical. Um, I, I, I do think that, I mean, with him coming off the bench, I mean, you don't really have a true backup center other than Diabate. So I think he's going to back up Dickinson more than he's going to play the four. I don't think you'll see a ton of Dickinson and Diabate on the floor in year one personally.
3: Yeah, that's just. See, <clears throat> that is just too much size down there. These guys would not. They don't complement each other's games the way they play. Maybe we have the wrong read on Diabate. Maybe he can, but I don't see why you do that. You can have one of them on the court at all times during the game, so you're never giving up that much size inside. So why just to have the embarrassment of riches out there together? Space it out. Get the rotations going. And Jawan Howard. I mean, he's National Coach of the Year for a reason. He's going to figure out how to rotate these players in and out. And man, you talk about when we. And whenever we need a light here on this podcast, we can just turn to basketball. We absolutely turn to basketball. It's so much more fun to talk about (laughs) these rosters than
2: it is the football rosters right now. And like, that's an embarrassment of riches there. Like Kobe Bufkin, I'm super high on Zeb Jackson's absolutely my dude. Um, If even one of those guards and like, Somebody like Terrence Williams takes a little bit of a leap. And, you know, there was that video making its rounds the other day of Hunter Dickinson absolutely drilling threes. I mean, leaps like that, and you can easily talk yourself into, oh, okay, top five
3: team in the country coming in. Easy. Yeah. We're talking about Buffkin, and he could be the ninth man on this team. That's what easily. I'm saying. <laughs> easily. Like, so, yeah, this team has – an absurd amount of riches. As long as they land one of these big transfers, they need one good transfer to come in here to make me feel really comfortable with the depth, but landing one of these kids coming into the team. We already have established Hunter Dickinson already evolving into a superior mutant that he already is beyond that. Oh God. Oh, Oh, what's uh,
2: a bigger development for this team? Would it be Dickinson developing an outside shot Dickinson becoming an elite rim protector or Caleb Houston being in the contention
3: for freshman of the year. If Dickinson develops an outside have? if Dickinson develops an outside shot, he's an unstoppable basketball player. Ooh, man, I'm torn between that and
2: Dickinson becoming an elite rim protector, but I think you're right. If Dickinson can shoot threes, because then maybe you do put Diabate in there and you just absolutely twin tower, you wall up the
3: world. Yeah. Just break basketball, just with that <laughs> massive size.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like,
3: so I mean Oh, So like me, the Lakers proved it last year. They were just too big for all the teams in the NBA and everybody thought, oh, big bang basketball is dead. No, it's still alive. And if you can bang on the inside, like these guys can, and Dickinson can space the floor now. And if that spacing comes with a handle, oh, oh man. Um, Dickinson, seven, one
2: Zeb Jackson, six, five Terrence Williams, six, seven. Uh, Brandon Johns, six, eight, um, who else am I missing here? Eli Brooks, six one, and uh, Devonte, six uh, one. Can you get me Caleb Houston? I believe is six seven. Diabate, I want to say six eleven. I want to say I got it right here. Uh Diabate coming from France. Who? uh I a little 16. more. Un-
3: he's six ten. Okay, okay, he's six ten. So that's a lot of size. That is a lot of size. Okay, these are these are not small people. Yeah, and Caleb Houston six eight. So
2: eight not six seven so all right so i was off an inch on him and yeah that's like that's a lot of guys
3: like your primary guys all over six five jimmy as long as they can defend we're gonna control the glass naturally like here is is
2: here's one question before we switch to football though does this team need a shooter like who
3: is taking the big shot next year on that roster we just said it's it's going to be the big shot's going to be Hunter Dickinson in the inside. Like he needs all late game touches. Other shooters, Brandon Johns can shoot the ball. Zeb Jackson can shoot the ball. But if they land Devonte Jones, that's a big shooter to put on the stage. Honestly, the best shooter is Eli Brooks. I mean, when he's on, yeah. single handedly, won us a game. Yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely. And expect him to take another step up next year. You know, so I think Eli Brooks will probably be if you need a three, it'll be Brooks or the transfer. I'm just but if you need a bucket, it's Dickinson.
3: Facts. Did did Franz officially declare with his letter yet or anything?
2: No, I don't think so. I haven't heard that yet. We're all just kind of assuming because he's a top ten projection. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that creates a log jam at forward, though. I mean, he should probably move on. You,
3: I, I would love to have I'm him. Fine. I'm fine with the log jam here. It's like, oh, man, Brandon Johns, Franz Wagner, and Caleb Houston. What are we going to do? Caleb Houston
2: would leave without ever playing Mike. No,
3: we're going <laughs> to run point Franz is what we're going to do.
2: We ooh, point Franz. All right. Well, yeah. You and I live in a dream world, so <laughs> that's why Where we're we... always happy in the dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I. mean, if I were running the team, I'd. I would for sure do that. But that's why I'm not a head coach.
3: <laughs> so if I'm Franz Wagner football. ends up staying, just prepare for an emergency pod. I don't care what time it is. Like so think- we will leave work. We'll. We'll drop it. Yeah. yeah. I will quit. I will quit. <laughs> um, all right. Before we go to football, would
2: like to take a moment to talk about our newest sponsor, Home Field Apparel. Uh, They're out of Indianapolis. Great company that we've been with now for coming up on a year. Incredibly comfortable, very affordable sportswear brand. Every time they drop a tweet about some sort of sale, it just means that there's a package showing up at my door two weeks later. It's becoming a problem, but it's a problem that I'm learning to live with. Uh, Since you're probably a Michigan fan, you know they got you covered with all the new designs, the old designs. Go check them out at homefieldapparel.com. You can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB when you check out. All right, my friend, time to switch over to football. Tonight, we are kind of talking about some of the prospects we didn't touch on in our round one draft, which is already a little bit off because there were some trades. So uh, let's talk about those real quick uh, while we're still kind of talking about what the team needs are. Um, The big one being Kansas City Chiefs traded out of the first round with Baltimore to get Orlando Brown on the surface looks like the, uh, the chiefs absolutely fleeced Baltimore, a team that they're going to be competing with for the next five years. I can't believe they did it, but that means that uh, the first round has been shaken up
3: a little bit just with that move. It's interesting to see how this develops because last year, I forget who the left tackle was for the Ravens that went out with injury. who They just signed the big contract. He'll be back. Yeah. Right. He'll be back. So that helps them. So it gives them a little bit more capital, but and the Chiefs need the Chiefs need tackle help. My God, they need tackle help. So it's a good move for them. And I, I am with you though because they didn't give up much to get them because that pick is basically a second rounder anyway. They, they were picking thirty first, so it's not like they were giving up like the sixteenth pick.
2: Right, and they just moved back, and I think they gave up a pick next year. And you're trading with a team that I would say is probably—I mean, them and the Bills—those got to be the teams you're eyeing for the next couple of years. You got to get through.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, definitely interesting position. It would be like seeing like the Colts and Patriots make a deal in the early 2000s, or something like yeah. that, or even Broncos right. pass. Like you don't just trade with teams you're could see in deep playoff runs. So yeah, very strange, but could be a good move for both. But I'm with you that the chiefs got the best of this on the surface. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in our mock
2: draft, we had them taking Zayvon Collins. If uh, it were Baltimore drafting in that position, they're taking a receiver. So Kadarius Tony probably out of Florida. Yeah, but with Tony,
3: though, you pair him up with Hollywood Brown. You got two small guys out there. But
2: if not, the next guy up is either Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss, who's 5'9", which has to scare the hell out of you. I mean, or De'Ami Brown, who's maybe 6'1". So, I mean, that's why I took Nico Collins, man, because the size drops off. Now, in the modern NFL, you don't need to be 6'4", 6'5". I mean, you can still find ways to get the ball to guys that are that small, but... Five nine, man. That is like you or me out there minus a half an inch, taking hits from freaking, you know, Patrick Queen. No yeah. thanks.
3: Yeah, this is 2-2 Atwell is a highly touted pick out of I believe Tulsa. He's five, nine, 165. So he's smaller than me, which is which baffles me that he'll play on Sundays. But to show that size doesn't matter the receiver position, you, you can just go back two drafts ago and look. I believe it was the third round. Andy Isabella was picked ahead of DK Metcalf. And that was a giant mistake. <laughs> not one that we made in our mock drafts, but no, like get you some size out there. Nico Collins, like we've been just fist on the table. Like you need a big guy like this in the NFL, you need a big body. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the Ravens do now with that extra pick. It'll be fun. Speaking of fisting on table fit. Well, that's out there. So we're going to speak on fists on
2: tables. Uh, we we are going to have to talk a little bit about Chris Evans and what we see from him at some point here. Cause I think that's another guy we're going to bang our fists on the tables for, but um, before we get into that, let's kind of run through. Um, so uh, Mach- <laughs> stop it over there. Fisting, it, it was said, <laughs> it, it, happened, it <laughs> happened. All right. It <laughs> it all happened. right. Keep going. Um Round one uh, will be out by the time that this podcast comes out. That is Thursday night, and so we'll see how right we are about that. But there was a lot of prospects we didn't talk about. So we're not going to do a full-on draft here for the second round. What we're going to kind of do is just talk about uh, some of the teams and some of the the guys that we like on day two that we might see as fits. And then we're also going to get a little bit more in-depth about the Michigan guys, where we see them, what kind of NFL career we could see them having, best-case scenarios, worst-case scenarios. We're going to talk that and more when we get back right after this. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. In the second half of this, we are going all football. Last week, we did our mock draft because it is mock draft season. And in 2021, I'm pretty sure even Toys R Us, which is a now bankrupt and defunct company, had a mock draft this year. We, of course, had to submit ours. Uh, Nonetheless, we're going to keep doing it because you know what? It's fun. And we're in April and there's not much going on. So That's what's happening. We're talking about some of the prospects we did not talk about um, in the first round. We're not going to do a full-on mock draft, but we're going to talk about some of the teams, some of their needs, and some of the prospects that might fit in a way that allows us to talk about Michigan prospects, really. Let's, let's be honest here. That's what we're all about.
3: Yeah, this is a Michigan podcast. Like, we're not going to spend much time breaking down Creed Humphrey's center tape from Oklahoma. <laughs> you know, there's,
2: move his feet laterally very well. Uh, at the point of
3: attack. Has a good first punch right in the numbers. That's where you want your hand placement.
2: <laughs> I have no idea if those things are true. Those are just generic statements, people say.
3: Yeah, this is what everybody tries to say. They try to be, like, you know, draft experts. But, yeah, we want to talk about Michigan players, where their fits are, and just other players we like in this draft abroad. Like we talked about the whole first round last week and some players outside of Michigan that we like and shocker. We actually like players outside of Michigan, maybe not their team, but you know, Rondale Moores of this world need appreciation.
2: Absolutely. So we'll do uh, a semi mock draft here uh, where we ended. uh, I talked about in the first half, how uh, Baltimore now moving up to that position, I'm guessing they're going offensive tackle to replace the now depleted Orlando Brown and then for sure wide receiver. Um, so Kadarius, Tony is a guy. Elijah Moore is a wide receiver prospect out of Ole Miss. That's rising, but he's five, nine, same as Tutu Atwell. And look, I mean, we talked about John Ross in the, in the previous podcast and some of these other guys that are much smaller and then DK Metcalf and the guys that are much bigger. I don't understand the overvaluing of five, nine receivers. Percy Harvin was a lovely story. Those guys don't come around that often. So um, I'm not super high on these 5'9", guys. That's your and my size. I mean, we're maybe half an inch, an inch taller than that, and I don't want to go up against these dudes. Can you imagine getting hit by J.J. Watt? I would die.
3: (laughs) We're bigger than Tutu Atwell. He's 5'9", 165.
2: Yeah, we're both bigger than Atwell, and we're both bigger than Elijah Moore. Yeah, that's frightening. And so we're not bragging about our height; we're diminishing theirs.
3: <laughs> and the thing is here, so it's like your choice of five, ten, and under receivers. You want Kadarius Tony, Rondale Moore, Atwell. What's uh, Elijah? What's his last name? Man?
2: Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, who is a. I mean, yeah. he's right He's definitely rising as a prospect.
3: So you have your choice of those guys. For me, it's Rondale Moore. It's no surprise I'm partial to his game, the way he plays, his physicality. I think it would translate well. But here you're going undersized and pairing him up with Hollywood Brown. That's a You're getting tiny out there. Right,
2: right. So I don't like that. So maybe a guy like Diame Brown from North Carolina moves up here. But, you know, we had Terrence Marshall going a little earlier than some other guys. But certainly Baltimore is going to look to go tackle and receiver at some point in this draft and maybe even double up at receiver so uh, moving into the second round and talking about some of the prospects we still like we're just going to go by teams we find interesting because this is our podcast and that's how we do things here so we're going to start with Jacksonville I find interesting as much as I hate Urban Meyer they're bringing in Trevor Lawrence uh, with the second pick in our draft I had them taking Trevon Morrig. So, in this, I would think, you know, receiver or playmaker, uh, Najee Harris is going at some point here. Travis Etienne is going to go some point here soon.
3: It's, they can go a lot of different directions. So, they drafted James Robinson last year, who was a very talented rookie at running back. But, I mean, you're not going to pass up on people like Harris and Etienne if you can get them. So, it's going to be interesting to see what they do here. They can kind of draft wherever they want, they need some pieces on defense to compliment Josh Allen very talented pass rusher they could go corner here it's a still a deep corner draft you could draft a safety here I know you love the safeties in this class so a bunch of places I'd love to see him go defense personally
2: yeah I would too um, but the thing is everyone does agree about one thing and that's there's a huge drop off at running back. After the third one, I mean, we're going to argue for Chris Evans here in a minute, but he is, I mean, even you and I, who are Chris Evans supporters would never say he's a Najee Harris, Travis Etienne type of talent. Who's going to carry the ball for you primarily on a winning team. Uh, I don't think either of us think he's that he's more of a complimentary guy. So after Najee Harris, Travis Etienne and Javante Williams from North Carolina, there does seem to be a drop off. So one of the changes, amendments, I would make from the first round is I think a, a running back is going to go first round, whether it be to Buffalo, whether it be to Pittsburgh, something like that. I would make that uh, amendment personally at this point.
3: I think Buffalo is a place to watch. And I'll tell you another running back I like, I, I hate to say this, but I can say it now since he's no longer there technically, is Trey Sermon out of Ohio State. The way he came on at the end of the season, it's kind of been forgotten since he got hurt and finished the season injured, but he was running the ball with purpose towards the end of the year. No, I like that. And running backs, they have proven recently. I
2: mean, that's why you don't reach too much for running back. You certainly don't take one. I mean, Saquon Barkley is an awesome running back. I would not have taken him at two. I mean, no. he was injured last year, and I mean, that could happen to anyone, but at the same time, we already discussed this last week. So getting guys like Trey Sermon maybe in round in three or four even, that that's great value, and I think that you're going to find running backs that can contribute later in this draft, even though most experts say it's a three-running-back draft.
3: Yeah, so this is why I think this— areas where you're going to see Harris ETN Javante Williams be picked up if not at the later end of the first round because they can come in and compliment your team in more than one way
2: yeah uh next pick I want to discuss pick 36 for the Dolphins just because they have so many picks and it feels like a team that's already on the rise with a big draft this year could be a young exciting team um in the initial draft you picked both picks and you had Jamar Chase and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa which both picks that I love and I ran it by my stepdad. He approves as a Dolphins fan. So you did well there. Where do you go here? Is, is it now time for the Dolphins to look back at offensive line? And their owner is a Michigan grad. I like,
3: I like where this, you're going with this.
2: This be a Jalen Mayfield spot.
3: I think this is a Jalen Mayfield spot. I love the value you're getting with him right there at the beginning of the first round. He didn't set the world on fire at his pro day. So that's what really has kind of knocked him down. But when you watch him play football, he's good at football. You had a great quote. It's like, why are you telling me this guy's good at football when he's not? I have watched the games. And Jalen Mayfield only allowed two sacks in his Michigan career. He's only limited by the number of starts he's had. I think he fits seamlessly into the Miami Dolphins offense. And then you have him, Cormoa, and Jamar Chase as your first three picks. Oh,
2: man. I like that. I mean, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm pretty excited about those first three picks. And weighed in at six five three twenty six at his pro day. Uh, did not do the bench press. You know, he was still recovering some from some things at the end of the season there um the other measurables there uh the four, the 40 time is 531 which isn't lighting the world on fire but that doesn't necessarily matter the uh the one measurable though is the 3 cone drill that people are saying may have dropped him which was a 786 that probably doesn't mean too much but that is a little slow and you do want that lateral quickness especially if you hope to play this guy at left tackle we were talking a little bit earlier Um, about how you definitely see him as a better right tackle. I don't disagree with you, but I think he could play left tackle. We haven't seen him on the field that much. This is a guy that hasn't played that many snaps. So I definitely think he could, at 6'5", develop into a left tackle prospect. But I I feel really good about him as a right tackle prospect for the Dolphins.
3: I remember when Mayfield got on campus, they were talking about him starting at one of the tackles as a true freshman. And that never happens in football unless you're this elite kind of talent, which he is. And what I really liked about Jalen Mayfield this past year, just character wise, is as momentum started as the season was coming back, he's like, I'm opting back and we're winning the natty. Like, obviously that didn't come to fruition when we barely won two games, but th- that kind of support for your brothers means a lot to me. Like, it's an old way of thinking about it, but that says something about who he is. I have to
2: agree with you there. All right, let's keep moving down. Next interesting team to me, uh, it's because it's my team, and this is a Michigan podcast, so it's the Detroit Lions, who uh, have some ammunition now and are in a complete rebuild. They're embracing the rebuild, much like every other team in Detroit right now. Uh, Maybe the only city that has a pro team in every sport, that's all in a rebuild. Um, But the player that we did not draft in our first round, which we are mistaken about Um, that is on us. And I'll mostly put it on you for drafting Gregory Rousseau over this guy, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I also drafted Zavin Collins over him and that's Jamin Davis out of Kentucky. And if the lions could find a way to get this guy, if he happened to be there on the board where they're drafting in the second round, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, Zayven Collins is probably more likely for that. This guy ran a four, three, seven in his 40 I mean, he's 6'3", 234. I mean, that could be an edge rusher for you. That's big enough to be an edge rusher. He has some Josh Allen-like characteristics. This is a guy the Lions should be targeting. This is a guy anybody that needs a pass rusher or a linebacker should be targeting. I mean, he's only going to grow as a player. His ceiling is starting to tantalize people. And the fact that we didn't have him in our first round, I think, is going to be something we regret I think he will for sure go first round the more I watch this guy state.
3: You know, we can think on our sins another time. We don't have to do that right now. <laughs> but <laughs> <My> fall. <laughs> this, Yeah, this is an absolute great pick. He's huge. He's 6'4", 234. Just he can play in coverage. He's a nonstop athlete. I think it's a great pick, especially like you said, the versatility inside and out on the defense. So he's not just pigeonholed into one spot on a rebuilding team.
2: Yeah, and I'm not saying this is my pick and he'll go there. I'm saying this is a guy that the Lions should be targeting. This is a guy the Browns should be targeting. I mean, any defensive. And, like, in the modern NFL, every team could use a linebacker in a corner.
3: Yeah, this, the only reason he could yeah. fall a little bit in the draft to the Lions here is he's only a one-year starter, and sometimes he gets swallowed up in blocks. But that's why he could fall to the spot, though, which could be good for the Lions. Sure. Absolutely. And the Lions have some ammunition.
2: All right, moving down in the list of teams that we find interesting in the second round, the next one that I look at, uh, the Bears at 52. And I hate the Bears. Um, <laughs> they have an awesome stadium. I've been there and I wish Detroit put the care into their stadium placement and you know fan experience that Chicago did. But I mean, this is a team that really is setting themselves up for an awful future. They need a quarterback here. Do they reach for a quarterback here? Who are your next prospects? Should the Bears at pick 52 want to go quarterback?
3: Man, it's it's going to be very difficult for them to do this because you, you buy into the fact that Andy Dalton's the guy. They signed him for this season. They're putting him all over uh, tickets Who's and everything else that? in Chicago, which is sad. What? Who's buying that? I don't know. And they're <laughs> – We have him getting Rashad Bateman in the first round, playing next to Allen Robinson, two big, talented receivers. So now it's like, do they reach up for a Davis Mills, a Kyle Trask? Like, do do you buy any of those? I personally
2: do not buy either of them. Uh, Davis Mills is the guy that's rising, and I'll need to watch more tape, but I live in, you know, a Western time zone, so, I watched some more Davis Mills than maybe the average viewer would, and I was never impressed. I mean, to me, it was like watching a game manager. Like, I thought Jake Rudock looked so much more impressive, but you're betting on Davis Mills with the fact that he has better size. And he's, you know, he went to Stanford, he's a smart guy, but Jake Rudock's like an orthoscopic surgeon right now or something. Definitely <laughs> not a dumb guy. Uh, Davis Mills also had some injury concerns. I, I don't know when it comes to the next one. I agree with you about Kellen Mond. I think you took him a little early, take him in the first round, but I'd be more comfortable taking Kellen Mond around here for the bears. If he's still around than I would for Davis mills or Kyle Trask between the two, I'll take Trask over mills.
3: I think I would as well. If they want to go interior lineman here, you could get good value with Landon Dickerson, or as I touched on earlier, Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, both are centers there to start building for the future with good interior linemen. But yeah, if you're going to reach, quarterbacks are always going to go too high, especially in these rounds here. So I'm with you, though. I like Trask a little bit more than Davis Mills. I just didn't see enough from him at Stanford, personally. I don't know what people are
2: seeing, but I mean, granted, that's how these quarterback projections go once you get past the elite guys that have you know, done it in at the college level and have the intangibles. So uh, moving down, pick number 59, the Browns, a team that we're both super high on. We're both Baker guys. You know, we're, you know, if you measure our distance from Cleveland, we're both not too far from there and they've just been the laughing stock, So it's, it's easy to root for them here. Uh, Tons of defensive prospects. You took Jalen Phillips for him in the first round, which I did not have any issues with that pick Uh, at this point here. There's a ton of prospects that I want to talk about, but we're going to use this to segue into some of our other prospects. Um, A few prospects I want to talk talk about, though, that are not Michigan, Asante Samuel Jr., who is going to be the guy that we compare Embry Thomas to as a shorter in stature corner that just brings that it factor. Uh, I think he's going to be a high pick, and I think that he will be a contributor, super high on him. Uh, Chaz Surratt, Jabril Cox, both linebackers, one from uh, North Carolina, one from LSU that I think could be great value here in the second. Uh, But let's talk here about maybe picking up a corner in Ambry Thomas. Now, this is a little too early for Ambry Thomas. I see Ambry Thomas' earliest third round, him and McGrone, I kind of see the same way. Um, but what do you think about the ceiling of Thomas? What do you think about the ceiling of McGrone? Could either of them sneak into the second round, or is that just being a little bit optimistic?
3: I think it's a little too optimistic, but I am more I am more hopeful that Ambry Thomas will develop into a good pro than I am Cam McGrone, and for similar reasons, so, or for I should say adverse reasons. So for Ambry Thomas, he has just natural instincts on the field. Like it felt like in 2019, you couldn't throw his way because he was always going to intercept the ball. Like he's just got really just a good feel for the game. He's in position and he's developing his skills. They're not quite where they need to be, but kind of like quitty Pay, you'd rather have the athleticism and feel for the game and you can teach technique later. And Cam McGrone's the opposite. He's fast, he's got decent technique, but he does not have a feel for the game. And it seemed like he got worse throughout his Michigan career, which is very strange because when he came on in the Wisconsin game a few years ago, it was like, hey, this is the new guy, the next Devin Bush. He's super fast, but he never really quite developed. Like in coverage, he was kind of a liability. He wasn't great at stopping the run. He could rush the passer and go after for the quarterback, but it just that was kind of it.
2: I love your analysis
3: there, and that's spot on. I'm gonna go backwards here
2: against you just because <clears throat> of something we said last week, where maybe we're too close to this when it comes to analyzing what we're looking for at the next level. And Amari Thomas was the guy, and I was super high on all the Detroit cornerbacks. That's you know, there, there's a record of it in podcast. But Amory Thomas was the guy that I said could be better than Lewis. I didn't say that about Levert. Uh, I didn't say that about Delano or any of the other guys that came out of there. It was definitely, I was looking at Ambry like this could be the next guy. Because Jordan Lewis said that. Yeah. So I am still high on what he could be. And if you look at his tape, his athleticism, he could be sticky. I mean, he could stick to a guy just because he has freakish athleticism. But I mean, we're looking at like 800 snaps of tape. With him, There's just not a lot of tape with him every time, especially against number one receivers. So because of that, he's probably going fourth, fifth. And I think he's a guy that maybe hurt himself by sitting out because some more snaps in this cornerback class. I mean, if Asante Samuel is the fourth best corner, who's to say you're not the fifth in a second round pick?
3: Yeah, you know, because that's, that's where... He- no, yeah. go ahead, so, please. I'm sorry. That's where he and Samuel both kind of take a hit too, is their height. But Samuel has more tape than he does, and that's what really kind of put him above.
2: Oh, I agree with you in full. Now, McGrone, I'm going to pivot a little bit because everything you said is perfectly no. spot on. McGrone did actually regress as a player from the height of his powers. But if you're just looking for upside and this guy's available in the fourth round, 63234 and what did he run? Let's I've got it right here. Excuse me. I'm going to pull it up. Um I mean, he's quick and granted let's all take these pro day times with a bit of a grain <laughs> of salt. I think yeah. we should. as I was arguing about Jason Oway, uh he did not register a 40 time in this, which is going to hurt him because I really think that his 40 time probably would have been one of his selling points. I can't believe he didn't do that.
3: Yeah, I don't know if he was hurt or what was happening there, but Thanks. it ha- had to have been
2: had to have been, had to have been, because, yeah, if he would have ran like a four or five even, you know, he'd be right up there. So McGrone's a, a big question mark for me. But if you're drafting for upside, I wouldn't let him slip past the fourth round, because at that point, you know, you're 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 taking guesses anyway. You're throwing darts at a board, hoping to hit on a guy. And at that point, I'm happy to start drafting for upside. That's kind of when you were saying like the uh, the Rousseau's of the world and you were completely contradictory because you didn't want Quiddy Pay, So it was all nonsense, <laughs> even though I love you as though you're my brother, but <laughs> it was all nonsense. But like, I get what you're saying to the point that like, at what point are you just drafting for somebody's measurables? And Cam McGrone kind of fits into that a little bit, but you saw there's some tape there to talk yourself into him. I don't think he should slip past the fourth.
3: I hope not, but the reason I think Ambry also brings more value here in the like you said third or fourth round is because he's going to immediately contribute on special teams. The kid is a flat out flyer. I told you that when I saw him in person in seventeen the first time. I said he's the fastest person on the field at all times. Like he can just—he's not just forty fast. He's on the field game speed fast. Sure.
2: No, I like that. No, I, I have no problem with that. All right, time to shift to the guy we've been putting off of this entire podcast, but we've been building up to it. I know he's your boy; he's my boy as well. Chris Evans getting a little bit of draft type, but for him, a little bit of draft type means maybe he's drafted instead of undrafted. Where does this guy go? What's his role in the NFL?
3: So Chris Evans, I believe, is going to be could be the steal of the middle rounds. He is the prototypical third down back. So I believe he's going to play because he brings that pass catching element. Kind of like I don't know the measurables off the top of my head, but reminds me of uh Naheem Hines from the Colts, where you come in on third down, you can you can run the ball in between tackles, you can catch the bottom of the backfield. And Chris Evans is two things that the pro day showed. He is thick and he is fast. I believe you have the measurables up.
2: Uh for Chris Evans? Yeah. Oh, yes. One second, please. I was looking up Naheem Hines because I wanted to see the comparison. But no, I, I mean, I like what you're saying there. Um, I don't think middle rounds necessarily, because when you say middle rounds, I start to think, are you saying four? I think that's a bit early. He comes in at 5'11", uh, with at 211 pounds. With, 211 pounds at 5'11", <laughs> pretty stout. Yeah. not. He put up 20 on the bench press, which is great. Yeah. Um, for a running back, ran a four-four-four and a six-five-six <laughs> cone drill. None of those are elite numbers, but those are good numbers.
3: That four-four at running back at that size is very solid. And I say middle rounds. Like I think four is his ceiling, and I think six is his basement. Right in that range, that gets a sweet spot swarm. So. It's like the versatility. I feel like he hasn't been unleashed. The fact that he showed the character to have the issues off the field in the classroom, work his way back to the team, still contribute. You and I have been screaming for him to just catch balls exclusively out of the backfield. He just, I think he can con- just contribute in a, a myriad of ways.
2: Yeah. I love what you said there. And that's something that we've been screaming about since he came there is that this guy should be leaking out of the backfield every play and if you have a quarterback that can go through his progressions, I mean, this guy's an absolute weapon. Uh, we didn't really have that. I mean, the closest we had to that with Chris Evans was probably Shea Patterson, 2000, I don't know, 2018 Patterson, probably. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, The closest we could have to someone that goes through their progressions, but this guy can absolutely be a weapon if he's leaking out of the backfield. And at 211, he could probably get up to 220 if he keeps that 4-4 speed. Yeah, this is a guy that can play in the NFL for sure. And I, I agree with you. I think he'll get drafted. I think four's too early, um, but I think he gets drafted.
3: Yeah, he's bigger than Naheem. Naheem or I'm sorry, Travis Etienne's 5'10, 205. And Javante Williams, who's thought is like this big bull, is 5'10, 220. So. Yeah,
2: but- Javante Williams has ridiculous tape
3: on, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to argue that I'm not putting him up, but he's got the size is my point. Like he's got the size of these top tier backs. Also Javante Williams probably has my favorite tape of any running back. His Miami tape alone. Just, just treat yourself tonight. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: If you want to watch some fun running back tape. Lions don't necessarily need one, but Oh man, if you need yeah, a running back,
3: wouldn't be mad about it, but no, Chris Evans, like I said, four would be the highest he goes. And I think I six six is the basement. I don't think he falls to seven, but he's a guy that's going to make a roster. And I, Like I said, I think he could be a good third down back that's going to play out of the backfield.
2: Yeah, with the uh, the way running backs have been devalued, I'll say probably five to seven, but a guy that gets drafted. Okay, let's talk anybody else that we have missed. I mean, McGrone would be probably the next guy I think will be drafted, right? I mean, we kind of touched on him a little bit. Um, I would say his ceiling though, because of what I was saying earlier is
3: three. He's drafted. I'm, I'm, I'm a little more down than you on him. I would say four to five for me. I think he's drafted, but yeah, he will be. And is Carlo Kemp drafted? No, I do I, not. I,
2: I, don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think there's a combination of tape or measurables that gets him there. I mean, he'll get a practice squad invite from the Dolphins because Stephen Ross brings in every Michigan guy. <laughs>
3: I'm I'm with you, and the sad thing is I think Quinn Nordeen gets drafted in the seventh round.
2: I think Quinn Nordeen will get drafted. Um, I think McGrone has a three to seven range. He's probably the swingiest guy we got here. Nico Collins could be swingy because I drafted him in the first yeah. in our mock. Um, what's the basement for Nico? Basement three four? three I, if, if he gets past three people
3: are dumb. yeah. it's got people it's got to be three
2: it has to be three you're just dumb if you're taking a five nine two two Atwell over a six four nico because of what point point three in speed sweet take one hit from eric berry or jamal adams
3: well, dude, this is the same thing we said in 2019 when Chase Winovich fell to the Patriots in the third round. Why is Chase Winovich going in the th- pick 77?
2: I agree with you. All right, uh, time to finish up here. Which pick are you slamming your fist on the table for is going to be a hit? Michigan players. Excuse me. Just Michigan players here.
3: I, I want to clamor for my boy, Chris Evans. I, I, I think he'll be the steal of the middle rounds. I've been uh, saying that. I'm going to die on that hill. But as far as going to be a hit is Nico Collins. It's Nico Collins.
2: Um, I'm not going to do that with anybody else. Um, we banged on the table for Winovich. Uh, we banged on the table for Runyon, and we have hit both times. And Devin Bush. <laughs> and Devin Bush, but that seemed obvious. Jordan Lewis, um, yep. who I still think we hit on. They need to play. He just him. resigned. He just re-signed, yeah, but they need yeah. to give him more time. I mean, go to a team that needs a corner that will play you more. They need a corner. He needs more playing time. I don't get it. but That's not here nor there. All right, um, brother, this was a good time. Uh, next week we will have a uh, – I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. Probably react to the, the draft, to the yeah. Yeah, we're going to the, react to the draft. Then we will be taking a week off. I'm going to go into the desert, uh, maybe take some peyote and, <laughs> uh, you know, see about a girl. No, that's not what I'm I'm going to go out there and do some rock climbing and see what happens. But uh, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue tonight. Thank you for tuning in for our draft coverage. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. Make sure you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether that be Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, wherever. We'll see you next time. And remember, wherever you go, go blue.